0: We are going to start a new series today called He Knows. There's a thing that tightens stuff down here. I'm just going to do that real quick. Um, called He Knows, studying the book of Hebrews. The gist of it is this. Jesus has been there and he's done that. And he expects us to persevere uh, to persevere through the end uh, of our faith to the last day. And Hebrews kind of talks about how he's been there and done that and helped us to do that. And so we're going to be studying that. We are in Hebrews chapter 2 today. We're going to look at verses 5 through 18 if you want to go ahead and turn there. Uh, In your Bible, I will tell you that uh, I do not believe there is a Bible event this week. So, Joy, I apologize. Anybody else who may have used that, I also apologize. Uh, But Hebrews chapter 2 today. So, taking time to properly show a student how to do something is a characteristic of a great teacher. My freshman year of college, I was an engineering major, and I had a physics teacher who was a wonderful man, not a great teacher. Every morning, or I should say afternoon, this is what happened, okay? So you guys are the class. I'm walking in the door right here. He'd come in he'd say, good afternoon. He'd grab a marker. He'd throw a problem up on the board. He'd work all his way through it. He'd throw papers on the first person's desk, and he'd say, now you. And he'd go, and he'd sit at his desk, and he would read the paper. Now, he was a great man, okay? He really was. I mean that. Like, he was the nicest, one of the nicest people I ever met. You could go ask him questions, and he would do his best to answer them but he kind of taught me physics like my dad taught me algebra. He'd be like, the answer's seven. Okay, why is it seven? I don't know, it just is. And then he'd flip to the, like, the back of the book where the answers are, and the answer would be seven. And I'd be like, Dad, how'd you do that? And he'd go, well, you know, we in the Middle East, we invented algebra. You should do this naturally. I'm like, that that's not how it works. But somehow I think my physics professor thought that like through the process of osmosis, we were going to learn physics. And that just wasn't the case. It wasn't for me. It wasn't for a lot of people in the class. To tell you how things worked there, I never got above a D on any exam, and I ended the class with a B plus. So, he's like, "You're doing great compared to a lot of the other kids," and I was like, "That doesn't make me feel any better because I still don't know how to do physics, and one day I'm going to be building bridges." So, uh, career change happened. Regardless, regardless of all that. Uh, Jesus, He was a great teacher. And not only did He know the right things to do, but He dedicated His entire life to showing us how to accomplish Him. As I said, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 5-18. through 18. As I've made a habit, I'm going to go ahead and read that for you now. This is what that has to say. It says, It is not to angels that He has subjected the world to come, about which we are speaking. But there is a place where someone has testified. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? A son of man that you care for him you made them a little lower than angels and you crowned them with glory and honor and you put everything under their feet. And putting everything under their feet, God left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to them. But we do see Jesus who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. And bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God for whom and through whom... through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. In the assembly, I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, here am I and the children God has given me. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God." and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he was able to help those who are being tempted. Now, it's not every Sunday or every sermon that you start uh, a sermon by focusing at the end of the passage that you're going over, but that's exactly what we're going to do today because if you look at verses 17 and 18, uh, they kind of lay the foundation for all the claims made before. And those verses are two of the most powerful verses in all scripture, in my opinion. And we're going to explain why today. First things first is that Jesus gets it. He's been there and he's done that. And what I mean by that is in these verses, we're told that he was fully human in every way, which means that Jesus understands how hard it is to live a righteous life. He gets that. That's a beautiful thing for us. In fact, scripture goes on to say that in the second verse in 18, it says, because he himself suffered when he was tempted he is able to help those who are being tempted if we look back in scripture at matthew chapter 4 right jesus fasted for 40 days 40 nights he had nothing to eat and then he went into the desert and then he was tempted by satan three times and he didn't break okay that was like the beginning of jesus ministry that was the beginning of him saying i'm about to change the world because he faced something that every human who's ever lived before him has faced and he didn't fail temptation from the devil and that is significant to us because in verse 17 when it finishes or goes back and says jesus became fully human in order that he might become merciful and a faithful high priest and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people jesus being human has multiple benefits and we receive all of the reward all of it the first thing that jesus being human does um, It made him like us. And I don't mean like us as in like Jesus didn't like us before and now he likes us. I mean, it made him similar to us, okay? Jesus faced temptation. He felt anger. He was loved. He was hated. He was killed. He went through this full spectrum of the human experience. He went through it all. Now, why is that important to us? We all go through things in life, right, where we we have maybe that one individual who's like ready and willing to offer their advice, but they've never quite been through the situation you've been through. You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like you can equate that to something in your life. When I think about my life, I think about um, the first pregnancy Jarek and I had with Cordelia. It was really bad. We've been over this. They both almost died, all that stuff. Um, and you would have somebody come up and they'd be like, oh, I totally get it. I had really bad heartburn. And you'd be like, yeah, that stinks, but that doesn't quite equate. And they'd be like, I got over that by doing this. And you'd be like, yeah, that again, wonderful, but heartburn doesn't equate to death of you and the baby. And so I appreciate like you caring and wanting to have something to say to us and like trying to make us feel better, but it just, that doesn't work. But when somebody can come up to you and say, look, I know what you're going through. We had our child premature too. And I actually had the the same condition and I almost died as well, and it was scary and awful and not the start we wanted to our pregnancy, and just everything didn't go the way we planned, like that hits home. We understand that. We get that. And so when somebody's been through an experience that you've been through, when they tell you, hey, this is how you should live your life, or this is how you should do things, it just means more. And so it would be one thing for Jesus to sit up high on his throne in, in heaven and say, Guys, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. And us just be like, you don't get it. You don't know what it's like. But Jesus does know what it's like. He's been through those situations. He's been through pretty much everything you can think of. And in those situations, every time he showed us how to react, how to respond, how to be godly in our response... Because we're told throughout Scripture that Jesus never sinned. And so if He had all these different responses and He never sinned, then we can look at how He behaved and say, you know what, that's an okay way for me to behave too. That's an okay way for me to behave too. Because He was man, He developed compassion and mercy because He understood what it was like to live as a man. That Scripture tells us that exactly. And you know what, I, I... I just have this to say, if Jesus can cut you some slack, you can cut you some slack. If Jesus can cut you some slack, then you can cut you some slack too. I think we've all been in situations where we are just petrified to fail, right? We're just petrified to fail at our faith. We don't want to disappoint Jesus again. We don't want to sin again. We feel dirty and despicable and why can't I just get this? Like, I'm not good enough for Jesus, But Jesus lived his life perfectly, yes, and we'll learn about why that took place in our next benefit, but he lived life just like us so that he could say, man, I get that. Like maybe I didn't choose to go that way, but I I understand the temptation behind it. Like when I had not eaten for 40 days and 40 nights and the devil came to me and said, hey, you could turn that rock into a loaf of bread. Like, yeah, I can You know what I mean? Like maybe I did. Now, he didn't choose to fall to the temptation. And a lot of times we do. But that doesn't mean that we can't be with Jesus. That doesn't mean that we can't continue in a good relationship with Jesus. Because Jesus gets it. He understands. He is merciful. He lived his life that way so that he could know what you're going through. That's a phenomenal thing. And the third thing that's so special about Jesus coming down in the human form is that he was able to rescue the human form because of it. Think of the sacrificial system that took place throughout the Bible before Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice, right? It was never good enough. It wasn't like there was one sacrifice for all. It's not like you could take your best fattened calf, slit the throat, drain the blood, burn it, God forgive you of your sins, and then everything just goes great from then on out. It's like the next time you screwed up that way, you had to go get your (laughs) your fattened calf and cut the throat and burn it and give the offering. But Jesus was a perfect sacrifice, and he worked. He worked as that perfect sacrifice because his life was of equal or greater value to ours. Now, just if you have that question, it was greater value. It's not equal. I'm just making the point that he was of equal stance. He was human. We were human. He made that sacrifice once and for all. It worked. And if Jesus wasn't fully man, then that doesn't work that way. Here's the thing. When we think about this, like doves don't equate to to cattle. Cattle don't equate to, to humans. It's just, it doesn't work. And the reason it doesn't work is because man has been set apart. Now, Scripture is really clear about that. Second thing I want you to learn, like the the second main point today, is that to be human is to have power. To be human is to have power. Now, I want to be very clear. This is not some prosperity gospel. That is not what's taking place here today. Um, This is biblical precedent, okay? It's in the Bible. If we look at verses 5 through 8 in our chapter today, it says, it is not the angels that he has subjected the world to come, but which about which we are speaking, but there is a place where someone has testified, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, a son of man that you care for him. You made them a little lower than the angels. You crown them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet and putting everything under them. God left nothing that is not subject to them. We have been given dominion over creation. Over this world, we have power. Now, it's not perfection because Adam and Eve screwed that up. And this, this passage makes that clear too. One day we're going to like get to experience this in all its glory and it's going to be amazing and it will be different than everything that we've ever had, but that takes place at restoration. But Scripture still makes it very clear that there is power given. If we look in Matthew chapter se- 17, verse 20, it says, Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Now, I was going to bring a mustard seed in today, but quickly realized that I would lose it when I lost it. Okay? Those things are tiny. They're not very big. You should go home and Google it. They have lots of pictures. They show it. It's in like this tiny little speck in the palm of a hand. It almost looks like a flea. I mean, it's a tiny little thing. And here we have Jesus telling us that if your faith is that big, you can literally tell a mountain, get up and move, and it will do it. Then he goes on to say in Matthew uh, 21, Jesus withers a fig tree, right? And it, the, his, his disciples that are with him are just like, oh, that was awesome. I want to do that. And he goes on and says, look, I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to this fig tree, but you can, but also you can say to this mountain, Go throw yourself into the sea, and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Then we look at Peter walking on the water in Matthew chapter 14, verses 27-31. through 31, And it says, Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me uh, to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, and he walked on the water. He, liter- he was actually walking on the water. Okay, talked a few weeks about how I could never do that. Faith isn't good enough, apparently. I just learned that. But I said I can float really well. right? Remember that? But Peter literally walked on the water until he saw wind and waves and he started to freak out and he started to sink. And then Jesus goes on to say, after he reaches out his hand and he catches him, he goes on to say, you have little faith, why did you doubt? And so we see that as human beings, if we have faith, we have power. Right? to be human is to have power because we do have dominion over this world God gave that to us he put it to our charge how this thing turns out is largely an effect of what we do the Bible also talks a lot about God's provision in Luke chapter 12 verse 24 it says consider the ravens they do not have uh, they do not sow or reap they have no storeroom or barn and yet God feeds them and how much more valuable are you than birds then in Luke 12:27 to 28 a couple of verses later, it says, Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow, thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? Here's the third thing I want us to understand today, kind of hold on to, and hopefully let change our lives. I think that too often as Christians, we live as if we serve the lamb only and forget that he's also the lion. And we forget that he's also the lion. See, Jesus was humble and good, but he wasn't always meek and mild. He worked from a position of power, a confidence from God the Father. Now, I won't, I won't speak to any of you because I don't know you, but I'll speak to me. Maybe you can relate to this. So just think about if you can. I think that too often I personally act from a position of weakness. I do. and I'm not bold enough in my faith. Instead of being expectant, I'm wishful. Instead of being confident, I'm reluctant. What if this took place? What if we lived as if God had already accomplished it? What if we lived as if God had already accomplished it? How would your life change? See, I think the issue here, for me, is fear, and not necessarily one of faith. Or maybe, maybe they're intertwined. Maybe it's my lack of faith that causes fear. I think that oftentimes we worry about coming up short, not not really accomplishing what we want to accomplish for God. Like just me personally, I had big dreams. I want to accomplish amazing things for God. I want God to use me. I want God to um, just completely take over my life and, and, and use me in any way He sees fit to do things that He sees important. But I don't take a lot of chances on occasions to do things I think God would want me to do because I'm fearful that maybe I won't succeed. Or what about something that's even worse? What if it's not that I just won't succeed? What if I actually end up disappointing God in the long run? And so rather than disappoint God, maybe I just won't do it at all. What if we put ourselves in a place where we face temptation and we fall to it? Because God, as Christians, He calls us to go to all nations, to go to all people groups, to go into every situation, and to share the gospel. What if I put myself in a situation where I want to share the gospel, where I feel like God is needing me to share the gospel, but it's a place where I find temptation and I end up screwing up. And so rather than maybe have that happen, just won't do it. Now, I don't know if you can relate to any of this what I do know is this, that true faith gives way to action. And understanding that we serve a God who's already been there and done it and who gets it and who knows what it's like to face temptation and to experience human emotion and furthermore did it all so that He could better understand us should only be encouragement. Should only be encouragement. I don't know... If you kind of feel like things have jumped around here today, um, I kind of felt that way as I was writing up this sermon. I was just kind of following the scripture. I was like, man, it kind of jumps to here and here and back. How does this all tie in? And I prayed about that all week. God, how does this all tie in? And this is what I came up with. See, Jesus came to live as a man to better understand us and to show us the way. In doing so, he secured our position as children of God. Even in this scripture that we're studying, he calls us brothers and sisters. And he gave us this inheritance, right, which won't fully be experienced until the restoration. But he gave us this inheritance where it talks about having everything under our feet, being just a little lower to the angels, right? And he gave us this, this, this home in heaven. He gave us this inheritance, which won't fully be recognized until the restoration, so that we may learn from Jesus our brother and teacher and be bold in our faith. That's how it all ties in. When you think about it, Jesus came to, to learn what it's like to be us. Not as like uh na na nana, nana nana, I did it perfect. Why can't you? But so to say, I totally get it, and you need to let that go. So often in faith, I'm just petrified by my sin. How can I be what God wants me to be if I continue to sin in whatever way? Like I said I wasn't going to do that again five minutes ago. I just did it. And that a lot of times makes me like pull away from Jesus, pull away from God. As if, man, I'm just embarrassing them. I'm not good enough to be in their presence. And Jesus is saying, hey, you don't understand. You're not getting it. I came to live life among you, to show you guys the way, because I love you, because I want you to to finish the race, because I want you to get to that end point. But I totally get how hard it is. I faced temptation. I felt anger. I know what it was like to be loved. I know what it was like to be betrayed by one of my best friends. I came across prostitutes. I came across colts. Eventually, they nailed me to a cross. I get how hard it is to live life the way I'm saying you need to live life in the world. After all, it cost him his life. But he did all that to encourage you to say, You can finish this race too. You can finish this race too. And every little hiccup is just a speed bump. It's not a roadblock. So persevere to the end. Something that if you've been here before, I'm sure you've heard. But I want you to hold on to. Hear and follow Jesus. That sums up our relationship with the Father. With our brother. Hear and follow Jesus. I want you all to stand with me as I pray, if you will. And uh, after I get up done with that, the uh, band will be up here ready to lead us further in worship. Today, if, if you say, you know what, I realize I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. I, I just don't have one, and I want one. I want you to come talk to me. I will be standing right over here to the left by the bar where the drinks are. I want you to come speak with me about it. Maybe you say, hey, look, I, I do have a relationship with Jesus. I have been through it, but I faced those hiccups, those speed bumps, and it caused me to pull away, and I really just need to rededicate my life to Jesus, to, to what it is that he wants from me, and I want to do that. Maybe you've enjoyed your time here at Crosspoint. You're interested in becoming a member. If that's the case, come talk to me about that too, and we'll uh, discuss that process of what needs to take place. Let's pray, shall we? Lord, we come to you right now. We thank you for who you are and what you've done. You left a throne on high where you were celebrated, where you were equated to God to become a human just like us, to face temptation, to be beaten, to be spit upon, to live in imperfection because, God, you loved us and you wanted us to know that you had been there and you had done that, and that you knew what it was like to live a life set apart from the world. God, I pray that today that each and every one in this room feels encouraged knowing that they serve a God who loved them enough to do all of that. I pray that they find a way to take it and hold it within their hearts that sin is a speed bump and not a roadblock. It just is. God, you, you came and you gave your life and you died on a cross to forgive that sin. You understand what it's like to be us and you are merciful. So God, help people today to be able to forgive themselves for things that they felt like they've done wrong. And don't let anything like that be a separation in their life and their relationship with you. God, we love you so much and we ask all these things in your name. Amen.